Hey everyone, I'm Zach. I'm the lead pastor here at Restore. Thanks so much for checking out this week's podcast. I hope that it encourages you and inspires you, and I hope that you have some community around you to talk through some of these concepts and truths with. If you don't, we'd love to invite you to be a part of our community here at Restore. You can get all that information on our website at restoreaustin.org. We'd love to see you there or at one of our Sunday gatherings really soon. Hope you enjoy the podcast. Yeah. Hey everyone, I'm Zach. I'm the lead pastor here at Restore. Thanks so much for checking out this week's podcast. I hope that it encourages you and inspires you, and I hope that you have some community around you to talk through these truths and concepts with. If you don't have community like that, we would love to invite you to be a part of Restore. You can get all the information about our church at restoreaustin.org. We would love to see you soon at one of our Sunday gatherings, and we hope you enjoy this week's podcast. Our lives have been upended. And I'm not just talking about like some of our lives, I'm talking about all of our lives. We live in a different world today than we did back in February. Honestly, it kind of feels like I wake up in a new world almost every day now. New information coming in, questions about what information to trust, how to know what's going on, what to do, what's safe, what's not. As I've had conversations with folks over the last few months, I always ask how they're holding up, right, in, in the midst of all of this. And, and the answers are different. Right? Some people still have their jobs. Some people don't really know anyone that's gotten sick. But others have lost jobs. Some have been unable to get unemployment. Some have even lost where they're living. Some have even lost loved ones. But when I ask them how the world feels right now, less about how they're doing and more about how the, the world feels right now, almost everyone gives me the same answer. Uncertain. No matter how the last five months have hit us personally, none of us know what the next few months will be like. We are burdened with questions like, what will happen with my job situation? Do I qualify for unemployment? And if I do, how long am I going to have it? When's it going to run out? Can I provide for myself? Can I provide for my family? Will my kids be able to go to school in the fall? And if they do, will they have to wear masks the whole time? Will they be able to interact with their friends? When's the next time I can have somebody over? Will my loved one recover from being sick? Will I get sick? Will my family get sick? Is what we're doing safe? When will I be able to get together with people again? What is safe and what isn't? Questions like, will we make real changes in pursuit of racial equity in our society, in our country? Can our local and national leadership handle the challenges that we're facing? What will happen in the November elections? Will our economy ever recover from this? How do I navigate the polarized culture that we live in? Who can I trust for unbiased information? Questions like these dominate our lives right now because everything feels so very uncertain in this ever-changing world. But I have really good news for us this morning. Not everything is uncertain. Not everything is always changing. Like Summer just read from Psalm 100, the Lord is good and his love endures forever. See, this morning we kick off a new teaching series called Unchanging. 
And it's a look at the enduring character of God. Five weeks of talking about these characteristics that God has always had, will always have, and has for us, me and you, right now. In an increasingly uncertain world, we must cling to what never changes, and that is God, who he is and what he does. So during this series, we're going to focus in on five characteristics of God, and they they all begin with the prefix omni, which means always. So God is omnipresent, meaning he's present everywhere simultaneously. He's always with us. God is omniscient, having total knowledge. He knows everything. He, He knows all truth. He is the source of all truth. God is omnipotent, having unlimited universal power, authority, and force. He is always in control omnificient. He creates all things. He has unlimited powers of creation. But this morning, we're going to kick it off by looking at how God is omnibenevolent. He is all loving and he is always good. So let's jump in. I put omnibenevolence first because I really believe that it is the foundational aspect of God's character upon which a proper understanding of him is built. You see, God is always good. God is always loving, but it goes even deeper than that. God isn't just always loving. God is always love. This is the only characteristic of God that isn't just something he does. It's actually who he is. Love is who God is. Think about the other characteristics I just mentioned, right? God is all powerful. Yeah, he's the most all powerful being. There's nothing beyond his power, but nowhere in scripture does it say that God is power, right? God is all-knowing. He possesses all knowledge, understands all truth, but nowhere in Scripture does it say that God is knowledge. God is always present. He, He is beyond our narrow confines of time and space, allowing him to be everywhere at once, but nowhere in Scripture does it say that God is presence. He is all creative simply by speaking. God creates all things, and he is in the process of creating and making things new each and every day. But nowhere in Scripture does it say that God is creativity. But when the Bible teaches about God's omnibenevolence, it clearly teaches that when it comes to God, love isn't just a verb. Love is a noun. Love is not just what God does. It is who he is, the foundational aspect of God's character. Scripture tells us that God is love right now in the present moment. He didn't become love. He has always been love, and he will always be love. He is omnibenevolent. And this truth that God is love, that he is always good, is the foundation upon which everything else is built. What I mean by that is if we miss that, if we miss this foundational truth, we miss everything else. I'm telling you, like 99% of the issues that we get into as a church or as a, a Christian are because we have forgotten that God is love and that he calls us to love first and foremost. We must understand this or we will miss everything else. But you see, it's not just the foundation, it's also the common thread. Love weaves the entire story of God and humanity together more clearly than anything else. Love reveals to us who God is and who we are to him. To show you what I mean, this morning, we are going to walk through a few key scriptures that span from the beginning of the Bible to the very end. 
so that we see this thread of God's love, this foundational aspect of his character so beautifully and clearly, especially during a time like this. I'm convinced that we need this understanding. We begin with the first foundational principle, and that is that God is love. First John 4:16 says, "We know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God, and God in them." That's the first thing we have to understand. God is love. That same passage actually tells us that all true love comes from God, and that everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God because God is love. That's number one. Number two, and this God who is love creates us in love. God is love and God creates us in love. Like a pregnant mother, God gave birth to this world and to humanity in love. Genesis 1 says, God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And God saw all that he had made and it was very good. You see, everything our God creates in love is very good because our God is omnibenevolent. He is always good. So everything he does is good. But many of you know that that tragedy strikes God's very good world. Adam and Eve choose to turn their back on who they were always meant to be, good and loving people, and, and pursue things that God never had for them. They turn their backs on God's love. They shun God's love. And when that happens, sin and brokenness enter the world. Our God could have easily just washed his hands of rebellious humanity, but he doesn't. Instead, number three, God pursues us in love. So not only is God love and God creates us in love, but number three, God pursues us in love. From the Garden of Eden to today, The story of humanity is one marked by God choosing to love us even when we turn our backs on him. In the Jewish scriptures of the Old Testament, God reassures the people of his loving pursuit in one of their lowest moments. Jeremiah 31, three through four says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have drawn you with unfailing kindness and I will build you up again beautiful scripture in one of their lowest moments for the people in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, this loving pursuit leads God to put on flesh and come to earth as Jesus. The most famous verse in all of scripture says, John three sixteen. for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. That's number three. God pursues us in love. And y'all, this loving pursuit that he had for us is not in vain. Because here's number four, God saves us in love. God saves us in love. Paul echoes God's loving pursuit of us and our salvation when he tells the church exactly why Jesus came and died and rose again. He says, God is so rich in mercy and he loves us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's number four. And for those who have accepted this free gift of love and salvation from God through Jesus, number five, God commands us to love. So God is love. God birthed us in love. Then even when we turned our back, he pursues us in love. Then he saves us through Jesus in love. And now for those of us who have accepted this free gift, God commands 
us to love. See, when Jesus was here on earth, the people asked him, what's the most important thing? You know, there's 613 laws in the Old Testament, and you gotta, you gotta narrow it down for us. Jesus, what is the most important thing that we are called to do? And Jesus gave us the great commandment. He replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. Jesus said it all, all boils down to loving God and loving others. This is the most important thing. God commands us to love. In fact, we actually spent all last year talking about the implications of the greatest commandment to love God and love others because everything in the Christian life comes down to loving God and loving others. God is love, and he commands us to love first. Paul bluntly put it in his letter to the Galatian church. He says, the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. You guys are so worried about all of this other stuff, the infighting, the, the division, but the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. And when you have that, you will always be in active pursuit of equality and help, inclusion of all people. When you lead with love, God leads the rest of the way. But there's one final act in God's great story. Number six, love never ends. God is love. It's the foundational characteristic of who he is. He creates us. He births us, humanity and the world, in that love. Then when we turn our backs, he pursues us in love. Then he sends Jesus to save us in love. And then he gives us the greatest commandment to love everyone. But y'all, listen, love never ends. This quote is taken directly from the most famous words ever written about love. 1 Corinthians 13, 8, love never ends. You see, God's story culminates in the return of Jesus. He came to save us in love, but he is also coming back again to show us that love never ends by finishing his work of restoration, by making all things new. And when that day comes, it will usher in a forever world completely marked by love. Love will always be there. Even when everything else changes, love remains the same. This is true of God's characteristics too. It's interesting to think about, but these characteristics, the other ones, they will always be a part of him, but some of them God will not have any use for someday. Think about it. For instance, God will always be just. He will always be fair and righteous, bringing justice wherever he goes. But when Jesus returns and he fixes all the brokenness in the world, there will no longer be any injustice for God to combat. Yes, he will be just, but that won't have to be on display anymore. God will always be omnipresent. He will always be everywhere at once. But when Jesus returns and dwells with us, there will no longer be any need for God to be outside of space and time. We will all be together as one in the new heaven and new earth. Revelation says, they will be my people and I will be their God and I will walk with them. God will always be omnipotent, having the power to create all things. But when Jesus returns and makes all things new, there will no longer be any need for God to create new things. But love, guys, love 
will always be there. Here's the rest of that passage from 1 Corinthians 13. Love never ends, but where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. Paul's saying prophecies are great. Tongues are great. Knowledge is great. It's important. But when completeness comes, when Jesus returns and he makes all things new, those things will pass away. But love remains. God is love. He created us in love. He pursued us in love. He saved us in love. He commands us to love. And then someday, Jesus is coming again in love to make all things new and to show us the final truth that love never ends. I know, I know life is really hard right now. I know it doesn't feel like there's really an end in sight. I know you're tired. I know you're uncertain. I know you're hurting and that you're worried and that you're sad. I know because I am all of those things too. But scripture tells us that we don't mourn like those who have no hope. Scripture tells us that we have access to a peace that surpasses all understanding, that we have been filled with a joy that transcends every circumstance. And that is all because we have our omnibenevolent God who is love by our side. Even, and I would say especially, during times like these, when we feel so uncertain, when things feel so uneven beneath our feet, God's love is the foundation upon which we stand. And we can root our feet firmly on that foundation, on that level ground, on his unchanging character, his unchanging goodness, his unchanging love for us. He is always good. He is always loving. The incomparable Brennan Manning says it like this, God is not moody or capricious. He knows no seasons of change. He has a single relentless stance toward us. He loves us. I think about that quote almost every single day, especially over the last few months. God has a single relentless stance toward us, and that is love. That helps me remember that no matter what comes our way, God is with us, God is for us, and God loves us. I'm gonna say that again because I think that you, I know I need to hear it again, and I think you need to hear it again too. No matter what comes our way, God is with us, God is for us, and God loves us. Our God is omnibenevolent. He is always good. He is always loving. I love this part. Nothing can separate us from his love. Here's what Romans 8 says. What can separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation, not even economic downturn, racism or a global pandemic, nothing 
will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Nothing can separate us from our God who is love. And even though it may seem like it, it may not seem like it right now. Our God who is love is working for our good in the midst of this time. I know that's true because scripture teaches it and displays it over and over and over again. But y'all, I also know it's true because I've experienced it over and over and over again in my own life. Even in some of the darkest moments, I've been able to see later on that God was still working in the midst of them. I want to wrap up this morning by telling you a story about one of those times. Some of you know that my wife, Amy, and I met in the sixth grade. We were sixth grade sweethearts, so that's a little bit of a stretch. Uh, She'd probably tell you that we were sixth grade acquaintances. I felt more like a sixth grade sweetheart, but um, we met in sixth grade. And sixth grade was an interesting time for us because that was about the time that we were really taking divergent paths as individuals. See, Amy was, was pursuing God. She was going to church. She was really involved in her youth group. She was leading She was helping, she was serving, she was loving. I was going the opposite way. In fact, sixth grade was about the time that I got kicked out of the church that I was attending. And I pursued anything and everything else to try to find life and hope and identity, sports, anything else. But we made a pact, Amy and I. A lot of people don't know this. This isn't a part of our story I share a lot. But at the end of seventh grade, she was getting ready to move away. Her family was gonna move about an hour south of where we lived. She and I, we liked each other. And even though we were on these kind of divergent paths, we decided to make a pact. We decided that when she turned 16, the the age that she was allowed to go on a date, that I would be her first date when she turned 16. And I had no idea. It was just kind of this fun thing to, to make this agreement with this girl who I liked, who was moving away. But I had no idea that in the time between seventh grade and when we actually went on that date, that even though we went on such divergent paths, God used that little pact that we made together at the end of seventh grade to keep us connected that whole time. We were beyond AIM, if you remember that, AOL Instant Messenger. We would be talking, we would be thinking about what we were gonna do when we turned 16, the date that we went on, you know, movie, dinner, whatever it was. And like I said, even though we were pursuing such radically different things, even though our lives on the outside could not have looked more different, even though I was making some horrible, horrible decisions at that time and spiraling farther and farther away from God and into to sadness and, and some really deep, dark stuff, God used that little pack. He was working in the midst of it. We stayed connected because of that. And then at 16, we went on a date. I, uh, took her to you know, dinner and a movie, very classy. Um, it was not super classy because I actually was an hour late to pick her up for the date. Um, but it was, uh, it was, a, it was a you know, traffic issue that really was unavoidable on my part. Um, but I knew I was gonna be about 45 minutes late. So I decided to stop and I got her this single rose and I gave her that rose and said, I'm sorry, I'm an hour late. I actually ended up giving it to her dad and brother because they were so angry that I was an hour late. They were the ones that met me at the door. Shout out to Flay and Matt. Thanks for still loving me to this day. We get, I give her the flower. We go on this date. And I'm not going to lie. I thought it went really well. Like I was having a great time. We were chopping it up. I even, like I prayed before dinner, you know, like because I knew that was like her thing, right? I'm going to pray before dinner. I'm going to really impress her with, you know, my, my connection to God and all that stuff. But she saw right through it. 
And even though I thought the day went really well, she knew kind of who I was and the things that I was pursuing. But even in the midst of that, God was working. And God was, was kind of breaking her heart for me. At a time when she could have been like, never call me, never text me, never talk to me again, she honored that pact that we made as seventh graders. And she cared for me even if we were out on that date and I was faking it so hard. She cared for me. I went to her graduation when I was 17. She graduated high school a year early. I drive down with a couple of friends to see her graduate. God keeps us connected through that. And that actually was the exact same night, left her graduation, went out on the lake with some friends and overdosed. And that was the night that through the next few weeks after that overdose and I, I make it through that God really draws me to himself. I become a Christian. I give my life over to Jesus. And to be honest, when that happened, Amy was the only person that I could even think of to reach out and talk to, to tell her about everything that had been going on in my life because even in the midst of so many bad decisions, even in the midst of so much bad timing and bad luck, for six years, God was working behind the scenes. So when I finally was able to step in, give my life to him, he reconnects us beautifully. We start dating at 17, get married at 21. We just celebrated 10 years of marriage in May. Got a couple of beautiful boys. My life is forever changed because God never stopped working. Even through all the bad decisions, the bad timing, the bad luck, he never stopped working. I tell you that because the same is true for us right now. In the midst of the most uncertain times many of us have ever faced, our God, who is love, is working. He's working. I love the way Rachel Held Evans says it. She says, should all other identities or securities be thrown into tumult? Should nations be fractured and temples torn down? This truth remains. God is with us and God is for us us. Even though it feels like so many things are falling down around us. Even though it feels like things are so uncertain and we don't know where to turn, we have a place, an unchanging place to turn to in moments like these. That is our God who is love and we can trust that he is working. See, our God is in the business of resurrection of taking dead things and making them alive again, of taking old things and making them new again, of taking broken things and fixing them again. He's a God of restoration. He is doing it in my life and in your life and in our world right now. Even though we can't see it, he is working for our good and for his glory. So my call to you this morning is to just trust him, find hope in him, find peace in him, and rest in his great love for you and know that as he is working, he is ushering in this time where love will never end. Let me pray. God, we thank you for the clarity that your scriptures bring in times like these. That from the opening words of scripture to the closing, that you are love 
created us in love, you pursue us in love, you save us in love, you call us to love every single person, and that you show us that no matter what happens, no matter what is falling down around us, that you are working and you are ushering in this time when Jesus will return, finish his mission of restoration, and usher in this new heaven and new earth marked by perfect love. That everything else might fade away, but your love never ends. Help us find rest in that this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.